Hello, my name is Rachel Brown and welcome to this week's Farmer's Guardian podcast. We have a special extra episode for you this week. A few weeks ago, I chatted with Chief Executive of Muller Milk and Ingredients, Rob Hutchison. We talked about Muller's sustainability plan going forward, new export markets to tap into and that need to closely monitor the dairy sector more than ever. And of course, we talked about Christmas and how they cope with that surge in demand when we all indulge over the festive period and stock up on dairy products like milk, butter and of course, cream. Now, just a flag, this interview was done a few weeks ago back in October. So just be mindful of that when you're listening. My question on Red Tractor did not take into account recent developments of reviews announced by NFU. So just be mindful of that as you're listening. But I started off by asking Rob about what he loves about working in agriculture and specifically why dairy? Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, hello, Rachel. Thank you very much for, for having us on today. I'm really interested to hear a bit more about your background, Rob. Obviously, you've come from an engineering background and, and worked for Moller for many, many years. But over those years, how have you kind of taught yourself around agriculture and farming? Obviously, you're from a non-farming background, but what has kind of surprised you, I guess? Yeah, very good question. I think, uh, as you say, I've been in, I've been in Muller uh, coming up 14 years. Um, I really, really, I think the first thing to say is I really like the the dairy side, whether it's on the, on the operational side um, and the kind of fast pace and the fact we're in a fresh product, that ultimately we've got to do a good job every day to make sure we get products on shelf. Um, and then I think at, at the farm side, I've been working with our farmers for, for nearly eight years of the time in Muller, um, is, is just... But the fact that we're at the real primary production end of food and um, it's, it's a real privilege, I think, to go and visit some of our farmers. Uh, you talk to the normally the whole family, you're invited into the kitchen. Um, so so actually, it's, I think it's a real privilege. And, and certainly from my perspective, I've spent a long time really just trying to listen, understand, um, learn the different parts. There's still a lot to learn. I kind of learn things every day, every week, and in, in, certainly in this job. Um, but yeah, it's a real privilege, I think, to work with the primary food and, um, part of our supply chain. And I do think it's such an important part of UK um, society that the kind of dairy products um, you know, bought by so many consumers, such an important part of our diet uh, for so many years. And, and I think, yeah, it's a real privilege from my side uh, to, to be working in this role. Obviously, a lot of pressures on dairy farmers right now in terms of sustainability, hitting net zero, um, those green credentials. And obviously, Muller have the advantage scheme and in incentivizing dairy farmers to kind of go on that journey. And I think what I'm interested in knowing, and I know a lot of our listeners, is knowing that strategy over the next six to 12 months, how are you going to develop that and incentivize dairy farmers to continue on that sustainability journey? Um, I think it's a really important point. I think sustainability is really important to consumers. Um, and therefore, it's really important that we as a dairy industry uh, react and, and make sure we're, we're following what consumers uh, want from their, from the products they're buying. Um, I think from our perspective, um, we're, we're working very closely with our farmers. I think it's essential that we work close together. Uh, these, are, these are challenges that we've got to face into together and, and collaboration is, is key in that part. Um, and I think we're, we're focused on a number of areas where um, we can make a difference, whether that's in uh, feed efficiency, whether that's in slurry management, uh, use of fertiliser, forage on farm, um, and a longer term one, but I think very exciting is around the genetic development as well that's underway at farm level. And I think a combination of all of those factors uh, will have a huge impact on on the environmental 
uh, ultimately the, the reduction in environmental impact at farm level. You mentioned about consumers and, and we talked about at the beginning around sustainability and net zero and that need for the consumer to understand where their milk is coming from and how it's produced. Do you think consumers are on board with the idea of paying more knowing that their milk is produced in a sustainable way? So I think we've done we've done quite a lot of research on this and the consumers we've spoken to um, want three things. They want a really good quality product. Um, they, and they want that product then produced uh, with high animal welfare. And more and more, they want a sustainability plan behind that about not just understanding your current uh, footprint, whether it's carbon or impact on the environment, but then actually what can you do to improve that and where are you on that journey? Um, so I think certainly from our perspective, it's essential we continue to work on all of those three areas. Um, and more and more, I think those those. Uh, products that don't have that sustainability plan and, and understanding of their impact, um, it, whether it's three, five, ten years time, I think will become less and less relevant in uh, in consumers' minds. I think that then raises that topic of fairness along the supply chain. And, you know, a lot of dairy farmers listening to this you know, are already stepping up to the plate in terms of producing their milk sustainably and being environmentally friendly. But they want that kind of encouragement and incentivization and I think going back to my earlier question in terms of that long-term strategy and then continuing to financially incentivize dairy farmers to continue on this journey how do Muller see that happening? So I think there's two there's two parts of that I think the first is that um, under our Muller Advantage scheme um, we're, we're really trying to work very closely with our farmers to provide a framework that they can um, I guess, work in the right way in their business. And as part of that uh, programme, we've got workshops in place um, and also farm walks um, so that you can go and get some real practical examples of where um, where you can maybe improve things or, or learn things from other, other farm businesses. Um, and then the second part, as you rightly say, is 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 the financial side. And, and, and for us, sustainability also means a sustainable financial uh, model for farms. Um, and that has to mean that there's there's some profit and margin at the end, um, because ultimately for, for us to, to make a continue to improve our sustainability uh, impact, we've got to make sure that farms are able to invest for the long term and, and able to, to do the right things going forward. So so our kind of view on that is absolutely we've got to continue to collaborate with farmers, but we've also got to make uh, it, it, it a long term sustainable uh, business from a financial perspective as well. And you talk about sustainable financial model, obviously with competitors out there that are equally incentivizing their farmers, how can you make sure that you keep your mother farmers on board? Um, so I think we we work very closely with uh, with, an, with a quite a large number of our Muller farmers. Uh, we've got elected representatives at two different levels. We work closely with uh, with the farmer board. We meet them every month. Um, and that's really all about just really trying to make sure we understand what is actually happening at farm level. Um, we'll often do those meetings at individual farms as well. So, we're, you know, we're, we're really taking the time, I think, to try and understand exactly some of the challenges that are being faced. Because it, it, it is a pretty challenging external environment at the moment in terms of whether it's legislation changes, expectations, uh, new environmental standards. All, there's lots of things that we've got to face into. Um, and for us, we, we've got to make sure we're, we're, we're working as closely as we can with our, with our farmer base. 
No, and definitely, like you say, there are so many challenges going on at the moment for dairy farmers. And obviously, you know, the NFU did a dairy survey recently and confidence is really, really low. And, you know, I'm talking to dairy farmers every single day. And there are various complex reasons why a lot of dairy farmers are choosing to sell up or go out of business. And it's not just one simple reason, not just down to milk price. You know, there's various factors at play. But with a rise in dairy dispersal sales and increasingly, you know, through word of mouth, you're hearing dairy farms are, are packing up or they just feel like they, there is no business in it any, anymore and that kind of negative outlook on the sector. You know, how are Muller responding to that? So I think I think the first thing I'd say is that dairy has begun in cycles for a long time. Um, and, and I think we're at a difficult point in, in the cycle we're in at the moment. Um, but I think what I would say is, is for me, the kind of medium long term outlook for dairy is still hugely positive. Um, and, the, and there's two parts of that. I think one is what I've already said about it's such a key part of UK consumers. And certainly if I take liquid milk, 97 uh, percent of, of shoppers buy liquid milk every week. Um, and it's really important that that we, we continue to, to offer that product um, and it's on the shelves of, of shops that people go into. Um, and then we're doing a huge amount of work to, to really secure the kind of supply chain in terms of our resilience, whether it's a factory investment, investment in our logistics network or investment in uh, our people, because that that is becoming you know increasingly important. Um, but then I, th- I think at a global level, we're seeing still population increasing um, and we're seeing more certainly um, uh, eastern uh, parts of the world move more into dairy. And actually, that means if you look at the long term trends, there's a there's a, a slow but sure two, three percent every year increase in dairy demand at a global level. And and that, I think, should give real uh, cause for for long term um prospects for, for UK dairy, because I think UK the UK dairy industry is well placed to, to to not just meet the needs of the UK consumer, but meet the needs of some of the some of those global markets as well. Yeah, and you're right, you know, we all know there are peaks and troughs all the time with the dairy industry. Do you feel in this last final quarter and going into next year, and I know obviously we can't talk about the milk price, but do you feel confident that kind of future projections? Look, it's really it's really hard to predict, isn't it, the future? But I, I think I think um, from our perspective, we see that there is stabilisation in the markets um, in terms of the commodity markets, whether that's powder, butter, um, and, and and whole milk powders. Uh, we, we we see a bit of stabilisation there. I think the key for next year will be the consumer demand, because um, ultimately this is a demand led challenge. I think supply has been within one or two percent of, of, of previous years across not just the UK, but across Europe. So I, I, th- I think a lot will depend on consumer demand going into next year. And we know that consumers have been under a huge amount of pressure with the cost of living crisis, again, not just in the UK, but across Europe. Um, and whilst that is easing and inflation is coming down, uh, we, we expect that will take a little bit of time to feed through uh, into the into the dairy demand numbers. And I guess part of that consumer demand is is telling the narrative of dairy farming to the consumers and selling that product. You know, what is Muller doing actively at the moment to try and tell the story accurately around dairy farming? You know, dairy farmers are put, on, put under a lot of pressure right now. And, you know, some of the narratives aren't necessarily accurate that are out there in, in, in the public sphere. And how are you trying to challenge that as a processor? Yeah, so I think I think we've um, we've relaunched the the, the Muller branded range, certainly on the liquid milk side, 
Um, and, and really, there's there's uh, there's three key parts to that launch. Um, what one one is uh, the filter milk range that we've got, um, and that that's all about the kind of freshness and and the great product lasts longer in the fridge through through uh, the filtration that we do. Um, we've also recently launched uh, a barista. Good Stuff Barista range, which is all about um, we've added protein to the milk and we've optimized the fat level so that it really works well in coffee. So anybody that wants that that kind of froth that holds uh, for a long time in, in coffee and you can use it to do some some brilliant latte art, um, then, then that product really works well. So that was some innovation that we launched uh, earlier this year. And then we've, we've put quite a lot of work over the last 18 months into our um, core milk range, which is really then just about again really good quality from from UK farmers, um, and 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 a good uh, proposition in terms of packaging. We've got thirty percent recycled content in the pack, and obviously you will have seen that uh, this year we've we've converted all of our. Uh, milk lids um, from coloured to clear and that is all about increasing the recyclability uh, and the recycled material available in the market so we can continue to reduce our carbon footprint and, and impact from uh, from the packaging that we use. You would have seen probably one of your competitors exploring kind of the non-dairy market and, and you know that kind of got a mixed reaction from, from farmers and producers. Um, in terms of Muller's kind of long-term strategy, is non-dairy an area you're looking into in the new year? Just interested to hear from that. And do you feel like there's that demand for it? Yes, I mean, obviously, we're a dairy company at heart. We're we're family owned. Uh, the Muller family were, were dairy farmers, um, mm-hmm. you know, for... for 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 many years, so I think you know we're absolutely a dairy business, but fundamentally that that you know there is a there is a, a market for for non dairy for plant based products. Uh, we do have um, so, some products on sale uh, in the Muller Vegan range, um, and we'll continue to monitor that that sector. If we believe there's an opportunity that can add to the business, then of course we'll look at it um, and and uh, work from there. It's interesting that you say that because obviously, you know, we're reporting on certain brands actually now withdrawing their some of their vegan rage. Um, so it feels like the trends are slightly changing at the moment. But obviously, I'm interested to hear your view. Yeah. And, and I think look, I think that's the benefit of dairy in that it is such a, a such a good but complicated product. It's very, very difficult to replicate um and and you know fully believe that it's 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 a, it's a really important product from a nutritional perspective um so actually the the nutrition and the ultimately the it's, it's such a natural product really coming from from uh through, from grass-based cows um you know it's, it's it, it, there's a lot of positives about it that have maybe been lost a bit over the years um but we certainly see it as a as a real natural superfood that i think can be uh, has a big role to play going forward thinking globally now and that global market for dairy um and that global perspective is you know the export market is that something that muller are looking more into uh, for sure. So we've been exporting uh, from from the UK, but also from our European business for for, for many years. Uh, so but we're to exporting that portfolio. Yeah. So it? we're exporting to over fifty countries uh, at the moment, uh, and we're definitely looking to expand that that portfolio. Um, we we certainly see big opportunities in whether it's North Africa or or Southern Asia. 
um, and, and whether that's for powders or butters, uh, we're, we're looking at both really. But we certainly see that as a as an opportunity going forward. Um, and that's why I do think UK dairy is, is well placed to take advantage of um, the, the kind of growth that I talked about from a global demand perspective going forward. In terms of that demand, and obviously we've touched upon it slightly already in terms of dispersal sales, but also, you know, with government policy at the moment, some critics are saying there is this um, underlying message of destocking um, can impact dairy businesses. And I'm just interested in your point of view in terms of if you're wanting to meet that da- demand and kind of growing your portfolio of producers, how that kind of will work. Look, I mean, it's, it's something we monitor very, very closely. And as I said, we work very closely with uh, with a number of our key farmers that, that, that are on our farmer board. Um, I, I think when you look at the kind of number of herds in the UK, it's been in decline for a number of years. Um, but actually, the, the, the kind of milk output is relatively stable. Um, and some of that's driven by other farms expanding and and, mm-hmm. and the genetic gain, I think, of, of, of the UK herd. But I think we're acutely aware that we can't take that for granted. Whilst that's been the case over the last few years, the points you raise are absolutely valid. And we're acutely aware that that actually the, the appetite and confidence for expansion is probably not where it was a few years ago. Um, and with the increased legislation, some of that is becoming harder. And also it's a different interest rate environment. So the, the, the cost of borrowing to invest are, are going to be significantly different to what they were a, a few years ago. So, so we're taking that incredibly seriously, um, yes. but we, um, we're monitoring it very carefully at the moment. And it's being such a big uh, dairy business, it's really important that we, uh, we have milk going forward because uh, w- without milk, we're, uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult for our business. No, definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, obviously, in terms of fairness in the supply chain, I'm sure you're very aware that milk, these um, new milk contracts um, coming in and obviously trying to increase transparency along that supply chain um, and to stop kind of contract changes. Just wanted to get Muller's viewpoint on on those contracts that are coming in later on this year. Yeah, so we've we've been in we've had several consultations with DEFRA. I think to be fair to them, they've managed this process well, and there's been mm-hmm. lots of collaboration. Um, I think we've been supportive all the way through of of, of the intent of what they've been trying to do. Um, and, and I think that the the piece that was always slightly difficult to manage was was how you set the price in a, in yeah. a transparent way and mm-hmm. and kind of get the fairness. So, but I think with the through the discussions we've had and the work we do um, in in the, in the way we manage that, I think we're we're, we're pretty confident would we'll be would we'll be compliant when when that if and when that legislation comes in. Um, but certainly from all the other points of the legislation, I think we're we're very supportive of the change. Obviously, Christmas, dare I say it, is coming. Um, and obviously, products like cream and butter, obviously, there's an increased demand at that, you know, during the festive season. How does yep. Muller cope with that? So it's a very it's a very good question. And, and, and we have Christmas planning meetings right the way from about February <laughs> uh, every year. So uh, we're, we're well into Christmas in our business already. Um, so obviously being a short shelf life product, it's, it's yeah. hugely challenging. Um, and as you say, butter, cream, uh, and milk, we, we see huge increases in demand. Um, and, and the cream volumes we make never, never cease to amaze me really in, in the, in the two weeks before Christmas. Um, but really it's about really managing the plans very carefully, uh, managing the supply and demand, working very closely with our customers on, um, on ensuring their stock 
and, and getting the stock in the right place. Um, and then really uh, working very closely with the factories and logistics teams uh, to make sure that we've got as much resource as we've got uh, available to be really focused on, on, on producing the products when we need it. But it's a hugely challenging, but it can be very rewarding time in, in our business. Um, but yeah, we're, it, it's something we're, we're well practiced at now. And, and, oh, yeah. and it's, it's really important we do a good job for, for our customers at that key time. No, definitely. Um, something I'm also keen to talk to you about is um, you run a program that um, supports new entrants um, yeah. coming into farming. Uh, and yeah. dairy farming seems to be a sector that is lacking those young entrants coming through um, or essentially holding on to those young entrants because obviously it is very demanding and it's hard work. <laughs> and how are you kind of ensuring that you're continuing those young producers through? And I think that builds on the point we talked about a minute ago about we can't be complacent that um, farmers exiting, their volume will be picked up by other farms. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we've, we've been running a, a next generation programme for, I think, about five years. We, we, we've had a couple of cohorts through it. Um, and that really is just about not just helping them on their farm business, but just helping them from a people leadership perspective, how to manage manage maybe their team, manage the finances of their business um, and, and really understand a little bit more than than the farming side. And they'll go uh, working together, group of about 30. They'll do a lot of benchmarking, a lot of visits, a lot of best practice visits. We've had good support from our customers in that they've been, we've been able to take walk the whole supply chain through their depth and understanding um, a little bit more about the whole chain and where their product goes. And I think that's been very uh, successful. It's certainly been rewarding from our side, uh, mm -hmm. seeing the kind of enthusiasm and uh, learning that goes on in those groups. Um, so I think that that really is important uh, for us going forward. Um, and it's not just in farming either. I think we're, we're looking... Uh, to, to, to really continue to invest in, in apprenticeships, whether that's in engineering or food technical roles, um, because these are, these are going to be really important for us going forward uh, to make sure that we can continue to run a, a, a resilient and, and successful business. Um, I'm conscious I wanted to um, ask you, obviously, I'm sure this week you've seen um, the reporting around Red Tractor and that new environment module. Um, I've been reporting on it all week and um, there are claims that milk processors weren't made aware or weren't really involved in consultation. There are also concerns with the industry, not only representatives within unions, but also farmers are concerned that, you know, we're doing our bit for our processors environmental scheme and we're happy with what we're doing and we uh, and you know we're driven and motivated to do that why are we having to do this additional thing and i'm just interested to hear your view on that yeah so i, th I think i think my view is, is similar to what i said earlier that at, at the moment especially in sustainability there are many many different types of measurements available different systems different approaches that will all give you slightly different results mm -hmm. um so actually i think we're incredibly supportive of trying to standardize that um, and I know that's easy to say and, and, and relatively hard to achieve, but I think we have to standardise uh, the measurement before we can really, uh, really make make good claims about that we've moved forward. Uh, and it's really important that any claims we do make as an industry are credibly backed up with data um, so that we don't kind of lose any consumer trust with, with any, anything good that we're trying to do. I would come back to the success, I think, in, in the industry as well as in, in the Muller pool was antibiotic programme. 
uh, that, that we started sort of six six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we've made huge progress on reduction of antibiotic at animal level, and, and not just overall usage, but the the the, the antibiotics that are critical to human health. Uh, so we so and a lot of that was fa- was really based on standardising the measurement and then really showing a a, a, a year on year improvement um, and through education and, and and good practice and and I think sustainability that's the model that we'll need to follow. It's a bit more co- complicated and there's more complex issues to deal with, but we're going to have to work together to 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 work through those. Would you sympathise with farmers who are saying, you know, we are sharing this data, <laughs> um, you know, all about their farm, including their carbon data, and they should be rewarded in some way? I, I, I agree. And I think it's it, it's not easy for farmers because there's more and more audits, there's more and more expectations. Um, and, and I think, you know, we, we, and that's, I guess, why we need to try and help them, certainly from our perspective, exactly what are the things we need to do and ultimately if it's not adding value to the product or to our business or their business then we need to stop it um you know we've we've also got to be efficient in what we do um because it, it you know it's, it's still a competitive industry and it's important we um we, we we recognize that and just one final question rob in terms of um farmers listening to this and molidary farmers that'll be listening and um, just what's your message to them going into the next few months um, I, th- I think, firstly, just a big thank you. I think it's been an incredibly challenging, uh, not just last 12 months with inflation, but probably three years going back to COVID and some of the other challenges. So a big, a big thank you from 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 my side. I think we've done a, a good job between us at keeping the supply chain running, which is a, a critical supply chain into UK food. Um, and then, as I said, I'm, I'm optimistic for the future for the U- both the UK consumer um, requirements for dairy and, and, and the increase in, in global demand. So, um, I, and I hope we can continue working together to, to, to meet those two objectives. Nice to end on an optimistic note. So thank you very much, Rob. <laughs> thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Muller's Chief Executive Rob Hutchison there. Definitely been a turbulent year for UK dairy farmers this year. But there was that sense of optimism from Rob there in terms of that long term outlook for the dairy sector. I know many dairy farmers will be keeping a close eye on that. Um, That's it from me. But don't forget to tune into Friday's podcast, a special one in honour of Remembrance Day. And our livestock reporter, Katie Fallon, had the privilege of telling her own grandmother's story, who, as a young child, was evacuated and sent to the heart of the countryside and fell in love with farming. Definitely a podcast not to be missed. So definitely tune into that. That's it from me. This is the Farmer's Guardian podcast. And thank you for listening. (laughs) 